Hey there everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Finals Countdown series, which is brought to you by MedTalks. This episode is part of the respiratory section of the series, and in today's talk we're going to be looking at bronchiectasis. My name is Sahil and I am a junior doctor working in the East Midlands. So let's get started. What is bronchiectasis? Bronchiectasis is the permanent dilatation and thickening of the airways, which occurs as a result of multiple recurrent infections or chronic inflammation. And it's associated with a number of congenital conditions such as cystic fibrosis and various immunodeficiencies. It's characterised by a chronic cough with copious and purulent sputum. Right, okay, let's touch briefly on the pathophysiology. In bronchiectasis, the airways become inflamed and they collapse easily. This causes impaired airflow and poor drainage of secretions, which in turn leads to the build-up of significant amounts of mucus within the lungs. Mucus traps pathogens such as bacteria, which lead to infections and worsen the inflammation within the lungs, and it leads to a vicious cycle. The incidence of bronchiectasis increases with age and presents highest in older women above 70. Okay, now let's have a think about the causes of bronchiectasis. The most common cause is recurrent infections. For example, childhood upper respiratory or lower respiratory tract infections, viruses such as measles, influenza, respiratory syncytial virus, and bacterial causes such as TB. Immunodeficiencies are also a contributing cause, for example, HIV. And connective tissue disorders can make up around 3-6% to of cases, and these include rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's disease, systemic sclerosis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and Marfan syndrome. Other causes include asthma, allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, which is typically seen in patients with asthma or cystic fibrosis, and this is where there is an exaggerated immune response to the fungus aspergillus. And I mentioned congenital defects, so the main cause is cystic fibrosis, but there's also a, a, something called cartagenous syndrome, or also known as primary ciliary dyskinesia, and this is a rare autosomal recessive syndrome where defects in cilia within the airways leads to poor clearance of pathogen-containing sputum, which leads to recurrent infections. Another congenital defect is alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, where there is a lack of the protective enzyme alpha-1 antitrypsin within the airways. So all of these conditions lead to poor mucus clearance, recurrent infections, airway inflammation and dilatation. The recurrent infections cause further inflammation and it goes around in cycles. Okay, so how do patients with bronchiectasis present? Well, it's variable and this is dependent on the severity. Some patients will have intermittent episodes of productive coughing, expectoration and recurrent infections and another will, others will have this on a daily basis. Other symptoms may include dyspnea, chest pain and possibly hemoptysis. And when it's really bad, bronchiectasis can progress to respiratory failure and core pulmonale. So as medical students and future doctors, what signs should you look out for? Finger clubbing is a sign and this is caused by chronic hypoxia. Coarse inspiratory crepitations or crackles and this is the most common finding in 70% of patients. And remember, these are coarse crackles, not the fine crackles that you see at the end of inspiration in pulmonary fibrosis.
Patients may have a wheeze, and this may be secondary to asthma, COPD, or the allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. And there may be ronchi present in the large airways. And ronchi is a continuous, low-pitched rattling sound, which often resembles snoring, and it's caused by copious secretions. So those are the typical clinical features of bronchiectasis. Now let's have a think about how it is diagnosed. So, patients are producing lots of sputum, and we need to explore this. So, let's see how much sputum a patient is producing. So, a record of sputum purulence and an estimated or measured 24-hour sputum volume when the patient is stable. And also, sending off a sputum sample in a small plastic pot for cultures to see if there are any bugs growing. It's important to assess the frequency of infective exacerbations per year. And if adults have the following, so persistent productive cough with a young age at presentation, no smoking history, large production of sputum on a daily basis, hemoptysis, a history of these symptoms over many years, unexplained hemoptysis or non-productive cough and recurrent infections, then they should be investigated for bronchiectasis. And what investigations will be done? A baseline chest x-ray will be performed, and this is abnormal in around 90% of patients with bronchiectasis, but it is not diagnostic. It is useful for excluding other potential causes. A high-resolution CT and features of bronchiectasis include the characteristic bronchial wall dilatation. So this is where the diameter of the bronchi lumen is greater than the accompanying pulmonary artery, and I suggest that you search some Google images of high-resolution CT scans showing bronchiectasis. A sputum sample should be sent for microbiology, and ideally it needs to reach the lab within three hours. Persistent isolation of Staph aureus or Pseudomonas aeruginosa, especially in children, should prompt a diagnosis of allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. Blood tests may be non-specific. They may show infection, for example, a Wade's white cell count, neutrophils and CRP. Immune function tests are important, so serum immunoglobulins, IgG, IgM and IgA, and serum electrophoresis. Serum IgE, skin prick testing, or serum IgE testing to aspergillosis. And also you need to look for any antibody deficiency. Other tests that can be performed include testing for cystic fibrosis via the sweat test, performing spirometry where an obstructive pattern is likely to be seen, bronchoscopy if it's isolated to a single lobe to exclude foreign bodies, in, especially in children, or in adults, bronchoscopy is indicated if the high-resolution CT scan suggests atypical infections, and if the sputum culture is negative. Again, it's important to consider the other differential diagnoses. COPD, asthma, TB, cough because of reflux, chronic sinusitis, pulmonary fibrosis and pneumonia all should be considered. Now let's have a think about how bronchiectasis is managed. The management is mainly preventative and trying to slow down the progression. Unfortunately, the damaged lung cannot be repaired. Firstly, we'll start with lifestyle advice, so a healthy, balanced diet, regular exercise, smoking cessation, and immunizations against influenza and pneumococcus. Patients should be referred to physiotherapists for airway clearance techniques, and they should have twice daily postural drainage. They may require antibiotics for acute exacerbations, 
and long-term antibiotics in severe cases. Bronchodilators such as nebulized salbutamol may be useful in patients who have asthma, COPD, cystic fibrosis. And if it's really severe, then oxygen therapy may be required at home. Non-invasive ventilation can improve the quality of life in patients with chronic respiratory failure secondary to bronchiectasis. And if medical treatment fails, then lung resection surgery may be considered. And if there's end-stage disease and poor pulmonary function with an FEV1 of less than 30% predicted, then patients will need a lung transplant. Here are some of the complications of bronchiectasis. So there's the recurrent infections and worsening of lung function in this cyclical pattern. Empyemas, lung abscesses, pneumothorax may develop from repeated coughing, respiratory failure, core pulmonale, life-threatening hemoptysis, and generally a reduced quality of life. The prognosis of bronchiectasis before the use of antibiotics was around five years, but it's better now with aggressive treatment. Good nutrition, exercise and regular vaccination all lead to an improved survival rate. So that's the end of today's respiratory talk on bronchiectasis. I hope you found it useful. Please leave us some feedback. Please share with your friends and your peers and subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you have any questions, you can always message us at in, on Instagram, which is at medtalks.uk. Alternatively, you can send us an email, which is hellomedtalks at gmail.com and check out our website, which is medtalks.health. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye.